So the Jazz have dropped three straight. They have two All-Stars for the first time since 2008. The NBA tread deadline is coming up in a few days. And I have a little bit of a rant about a player that other NBA analysts have been talking about. We'll get on into that as we start this uh, this week's episode. Welcome on in to the Jazz Talk Podcast, part of the Wasatch Podcasting Network. I'm your host, CJ Dieters. So the Jazz, since the... And I think this plays a big part in this. Since the death of Kobe Bryant, have dropped three straight, losing to the Houston Rockets, the San Antonio Spurs, and the Denver Nuggets. Now... Without looking at circumstance, losing to those three teams are not—it's not the end of the world. They have the Jazz have shown that they can beat the lesser teams in the NBA. However, the Houston Rockets were playing without James Harden, Russell Westbrook, and Clint Capella, and the Spurs were playing without Lamarcus Aldridge. Um. Now, I personally think that this is just a tiny little slump, and that. Tonight, when they play the Blazers, the Jazz will get back on track. Um, but there are some things to look into as far as why they're struggling right now and what they can possibly do scheme-wise and uh, rotation-wise to fix that problem. Now, the biggest issue that I saw with the Jazz over these last few games is their perimeter defense. Um, Rudy is amazing at the basket. We already know that. Um, but, but, you know, he needs the, the, uh, guys on the perimeter to at least slow down the other team as they're coming towards a basket to where he has time to get in position and help contest at the rim, force them to pass out of it. If they're just getting a free run to the basket, there's really not much he can do. Now we saw this against the Rockets the most, um, Eric Gordon, had a career high going off for 50 points. And Eric Gordon's a good player, but I, I didn't think he was capable of going for 50 points anymore at this point in his career. He's had a lot of injuries. Um, he's in his 30s now. Um, and I just I didn't think that he could do that. So it was an amazing showing for him. Now, you can say the refs um, kind of did the jazz in in that game as well. The Rockets were able to get to the free throw line for 49 attempts in that game. Um, so... You know, that, that's a factor in there, too. The Jazz need to not be fouling that much, and the Rockets are a team that's going to draw a ton of fouls on any team they go up against. Um, but the big thing was there was a lot of times where Eric Gordon, and he was getting guarded by Joe Ingles, and this is partly because, you know, the Jazz just really don't have any on-ball stoppers at this point. Um, Joe Ingles is really good on the perimeter as far as guarding smaller guards that aren't super quick. He can get in front of them, uses big frame. But if you have a super aggressive guy like Eric Gordon that has some mass to him that can kind of push Joe Ingles out of the way, you're at a deficit there. Um, Donovan does okay on the perimeter. Mike Conley does good on the perimeter. Royce O'Neal is an amazing defender. But on the whole, the Jazz need to figure out either scheme-wise or with the buyout market, free agency, possibly even a trade. They need to figure out how to increase the level of talent on their on the perimeter defensive-wise. Um, 
But on the whole, I'm not that worried about this Jazz team. Again, um, I think the death of, of Kobe Bryant was big um, in these three games. I think, you know, from everything I've heard from David Locke, who's around the team on a daily basis, um, especially right before that Rockets game, the team just was not, did not seem ready to play basketball. And I think that's had a big effect on them. Um, but there were some good things that came out of these three games that we saw. Um, Rudy has shown that he can still take over games and dominate guys like Nikola Jokic when he wants to. Now, one thing that I have to say, though, about Rudy is I wish he would treat all of his matchups the way he does when he plays. Guys like uh, Jokic, Carl Anthony Towns, Joel Embiid, um, he really gets up for those games and just really gets physical, and I really wish he would bring that physical play um, to their other matchups, you know. Not just against those guys, but if you're going head-to-head with JaVel McGee or you're going head-to-head with Hassan Whiteside or whoever it is, I wish that Rudy would bring that physical nature. Um, Donovan Mitchell had a bad game when it came to the Denver Nuggets game. Um, He just couldn't hit any shots, but he still had an effect on the game, and that's something that is a sign of growth from from Donovan. In his rookie year, if he's not making shots, he would have had no effect. Um, He only scored four points, but he was able to pull down um, four rebounds, dish out seven assists, get a couple steals, and, you know, was able to notice that he didn't have it that night and let Jordan Clarkson go off, who had 37 points in that game. And, again, that's just a big sign of growth from Donovan that he is really turning into a big star to where he can realize early on that he doesn't have it in that game and find ways to affect the game without him being the main scoring option. Um, let's see. There are a couple guys that are on a, in a little bit of a slump right now, and these are really consi- um, consistent players that I would expect to get out of their slumps, and that's Royce O'Neal and Joe Ingles. Um, just haven't been shooting that well the last last week or so. Um, but again, I would really expect those two, because they're so consistent, to pick it back up and get back to the level of play they were at before. In other news for the Jazz, though, the Jazz do have um, two All-Stars. Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell both made their first All-Star teams. And this is the first time that the Jazz have had two All-Stars since Mehmet Okur and Carlos Boozer made it in 2008. Um, personally, I think Rudy Gobert should have made it last year. I think the coaches made a horrible decision last year not bringing him in. But I'm glad that they rectified that and, uh, you know, put him in the game this year because he is the most dominant defensive force in the NBA and has been for a while and continues to get better there. And then on the offensive end, the guy's averaging 16 points, pulling down about 15 boards, and shooting 70% from the field. I mean, just on his offense alone, he should be getting one of the center spots. And then you factor in that he is the best defender in the NBA. Um, There's really no reason for him not to be. Now, Donovan making it is not a surprise to me. Um, He's had a great year, 
averaging 25 points a game, four boards, four assists. He's up to his averages. He's now shooting 47% from the field, 37% from three, um, has become a lot more efficient. Um, but I also would not have been surprised had Devin Booker made it over him or you know any of the other guys that kind of got snubbed at the end um, had gotten that position over him. Um, but this is a good thing for the Jazz. It's shown that the league is giving them at least a little bit of respect. Um, the Jazz are very often overlooked. Um, any of their accomplishments are always downplayed in the media. You know, when they were on this big <clears throat> winning streak here recently, um, everybody in the media was like, oh, well, it's because they've played under 500 teams and and this and that and that. Yes, the schedule wasn't the hardest at that time, but other teams in the league lose to those teams. You know, your teams like the Hawks, the Magic, um, the Knicks, the Wizards, all of them, they don't have zero wins. And they're not just beating up on each other. They've beat other teams that have records similar to the Jazz or even better than the Jazz. Um, you know, this league is good enough and so filled with talent that, um, any given night you can get upset. You can get beat by a team that you should not lose to. Um, so both Rudy and Donovan getting in, um, is, is huge for the jazz as a whole. And, and it's big for both Rudy and, uh, Donovan in their careers going forward. So it is February 1st today. Um, happy birthday to my mom. <laughs> um, but the NBA trade deadline is February 6th. We're, so we're five days away from that. Um, I think the deadline is at 3 p.m. Eastern. I think that's right. Um, so the Jazz would have, and all the other teams in the league, have until then to make any trades that they're going to make. Um, <clears throat> I kind of expect that the Jazz will stand pat, but they do have the ability to make some moves if they, if they feel that, you know, they can do stuff to make the team better now. Um, I think the most likely guy to be traded from the Jazz would be Ed Davis, mostly because he's fallen out of the rotation. Um, he makes five million a year, so he helps with, um, salary matching, and he's still a very good backup center. Um, and if he could, you know, if he could go to a team where he is not expected to run the pick and roll every single play that he's in <clears throat> and kind of fit more the style he plays, I I think he can still have a big effect on a team. Um, now, just straight up for him and maybe some of the seconds that the Jazz have. Um, and I think the Jazz should be very willing to use the second round picks they have. I think they have six or seven over the next four years. Um, and so I would not be hesitant to, to use those, especially because second round picks are so easy to get, especially ones that are in the fifties to where if you get into the draft and a guy that you like falls to number 55, you can just go give the team at 55, you know, some cash, and they'll give you that pick. I mean, it, it's not hard to get. And so I would be willing to use the Jazz's second-round picks to help fill this team out this year 
and give them a chance to really be contenders by the time playoff time <clears throat> by the time the playoffs come around. Um, now, ju- using just Ed Davis and picks, um, there's some guys that they could go after. Um, Aaron Baines of the Phoenix Suns. Um, he's on a one-year, I think about five and a half million dollar deal right now. Thirty-three-year-old um, center. Um, he's start he, this season. He's really shown the ability to help space the floor a little bit from the five position. The guy is huge. He's 6'10", 200 and probably close to 70 pounds. Um, and I think he'd be a great fit as a backup center for the Jazz. Um, I think you could get him for like Davis and two seconds. Um, there's some other guys around the league, kind of same situation, similar situations. Um, I would look at like Rashawn Holmes um, from the Kings, Daniel Tice from the Celtics. Um, <clears throat> maybe Taj Gibson from the Knicks, but I just don't see Taj Gibson fitting in any better than Ed Davis has. They have very similar games to each other. Um, but then, you know, the jet or the NBA has interesting salary matching rules to where the amount of money you're sending out, you can add 175% to that. Um, or it has to be within 175% of that salary to match up with whoever you're trading for. So if I put Ed Davis, Nigel Williams-Goss, and Mie Oni in a trade together, I can get somebody at like $12, $13 million for the Jazz, even though they'll only be sending out about $6.5, 7000000 dollars. And so that gets really interesting to where you can you know, however many seconds you got to throw in there to make it happen, you can go out and get guys like, and this would be my my number one option, go out and get guys like Robert Covington to help with the perimeter defense. Um, Same with Trevor Ariza. Um, You get into some some more centers at that point. Um, And so... The thing that I, I would do if I'm the Jazz, if I'm Justin Zanuck, I would call up the Timberwolves and I would offer them something along uh, these lines. I would send them Ed Davis. I would send Nigel Williams-Goss and Mie Oni. And then I would start off with three seconds, but I would be willing to go up to like five seconds to get Robert Covington. Because this does a few things. <clears throat> First off, Robert Covington is a guy that can play the small forward or the power forward. is a very good team defender, um, and I think would be a good fit next to Rudy, and would help take some of the pressure off of guys like Joe Ingles and Boyan Bogdanovich as far as guarding better players. You could put those guys onto the lesser offensive players of the other team and allow Royce and uh, Covington to really cover the top perimeter guys. Um, it gets you a guy in Covington who's got another two years on his deal at a very reasonable number. Um, and then for the Timberwolves, they get a guy in Ed Davis who gets them some more center depth. Um, Nigel Williams-Goss could probably be their immediate backup point guard over there. They really only have Shabazz Napier at the point guard position right now. And Mie Oni, who 
I have to say, has the best shoulder development I've ever seen out of a young guard. Um, just his shoulders, his frame alone, he kind of looks like a bodybuilder. <laughs> I mean, the rest of his body is not as big, but anyway, um, Mia Oni would give the Timberwolves another young wing option to try and develop, um, along with guys like Jarrett Culver. Um, they're still working on Andrew Wiggins, Jake Lehman, um, guys like that. Um, and then again, you're to add to the trade, you're just adding second round picks, which again are super easy to get on on a on draft night. Um, but the biggest thing that this would do for the Jazz is it would open up two roster spots. And in the buyout market, they could use those two roster spots. And in free agency, there's some some guys there that would give them some value to fill any of the other holes that they have. Um, you'd need to find a third center. Um, Tony Bradley's been playing well enough that he can be the backup center to Rudy Gobert going forward. Um, so you'd be looking for a guy to play the third center. If you could find a new um, backup center guy to um, play the minutes that Tony's been getting, that'd be awesome. But I don't know how likely that would be, but there's going to be some guys available for that third center spot. Um, just in free agency right now, there's Joe Kim Noah, Kenneth Fareed, um, Willie Reed, um, who's a guy that's with the Jazz's G League team right now. Um, Costa Kufis is available. And then in the buyout market, there's going to be some centers available. I think Tristan Thompson might get bought out, Bismack Biombo, Yan Mahimi, um, John Henson. So there's going to be some options there for filling that spot. Um, and then I would be looking for another perimeter defender on the buyout market as well um, to, again, help on the perimeter, especially when teams go to like a five-out system. They can be out on the perimeter, be out on an island, and be able to give Rudy time to get back into position and help at the rim. Um as far as guys that are still free agents right now, there's a few options there, um, like Amon Shumpert, Corey Brewer. And then on the buyout market, you're going to be looking at guys like maybe Michael Kidd Gilchrist. He would be my number one option if he's available. Um, actually, Marvin Williams would be my number one option there um, if he's available. I don't know if he'll get bought out or not. But then also Michael Kidd Gilchrist, um, Courtney Lee, Solomon Hill, um, Evan Turner. There's going to be some guys there that you're not going to rely on for huge minutes, especially in the playoffs. But depending on matchup and, you know, if you need, if somebody's been playing way too minutes, you can get, put these guys in to spell them. Um, I think there's going to be some value there that if the Jazz can open up a couple roster spots could really help build this team up, especially with bringing in a guy like Covington as well. Um, so that's, kind of what I'd be looking for if I'm the Jazz. Alright, so finally, um, I brought this up in the intro. I have a little bit of a rant. Um, I think I've done a rant on the channel before, but it's been a while. Um, but this is something that really, really bugs me when it comes to people that cover the NBA. Is they have 
this amazingly short memory. Um, it's kind of like, you know, a racing horse. They have those blinders on to make sure that they only see straight. They don't see the other horses. They don't see the people in the crowd. Um, they're, they're only looking at this small little area. And that's how a lot of guys in the NBA are, where anything within the last two weeks, that's what the NBA is. And there's been nothing before that. And you have nothing to go off before that. Um, and one of the guys that they, they're doing that with this year is Chris Paul. Chris Paul is having a good season this year. Um, he's done a really good job of helping the Thunder out. I think he's a lot better than Russell Westbrook because Westbrook is insanely inefficient and is all about himself. So he is a better point guard for the Thunder right now. But um, I've seen this from multiple people. I've heard it from multiple people that the Jazz should trade Mike Conley for Chris Paul. And anybody that has said that, just stop. That's, that's ridiculous. Okay, we got to go over some stuff here as to why this is ridiculous. Okay, both guys are six foot point guards, they're six feet tall. So you're not getting any extra value there. They have very similar games, very mid range oriented. Um, but, you know, and I'd say Chris Paul is a little bit better player than Mike Conley at this point. Okay, he would be an upgrade right now. Okay, but Mike Conley has one year left on his deal after this season at $34.5 million. And, you know, he could early terminate that and go to another team, or he could sign a long-term deal with the Jazz at a smaller number per year, but a longer-term deal. Um, and, it, and again, it's that number is 34.5, okay? Chris Paul's contract for next season is at $40 million, okay? So five and a half million more. And then he's got another year after that at $44 million. Okay. Um, that next year will be the 2021-2022 season. In that season, the Jazz are going to have Donovan Mitchell on an extension at like $30 million a year. Rudy Gobert is going to sign a new extension and it might be the Supermax, and so he's going to be making over $40 million a year. If you keep Conley around, and you just let his contract expire, that money's gone to where now the Jazz have a lot more um, relief in the cap. They have more flexibility to make moves to add to those two going forward. Chris Paul would be $44 million that year, you have zero flexibility at that point. Okay. Another thing is Mike Conley is 32. Chris Paul is 34. Young or small guards like that do not last very well in the league. Um, if you're under 6'3, it is really hard to keep playing um, into your mid 30s um, just because of the wear and tear on the body. And Chris Paul has a bad injury history. Mike Conley has a little bit of an injury history as well. Again, I'm not saying that Conley's this huge upgrade over Chris Paul. 
again, I think Chris Paul's a better player at this point. But going forward, for what the Jazz could use, I think Conley's a better fit there. Um, now, also, Chris Paul has to have the ball in his hands to be effective on the offensive side. He's not good at playing off ball. We saw that with the Rockets. He did not play well with James Harden. And, you know, Mike Conley is starting to get to the point where he can play off a ball and be a better complement to a guy like Donovan Mitchell, which it's Donovan Mitchell's team. Um, now, now I want to get into this short memory thing I was talking about. Okay. Just this last summer, the th- or the Rockets were doing everything they could to get off of Chris Paul's contract. Um, when they signed that contract, everybody, all these NBA analysts, they're now saying that he's this great player and that team should be trading for him. We're saying that is a ridiculous contract. Why would you sign a guy like Chris Paul to that? He's going to be 36 when that thing ends. Okay. Those same guys are the ones that are saying that the jazz should trade for him or that other teams should trade for him. Okay. Last year in the playoffs, the Rockets were terrible when James Harden was off the court and Chris Paul was running the backup point guard minutes. They were, they were bad. Um, and teams in the playoffs really took advantage of of the Rockets when James Harden came off the floor and Chris Paul took over. Um, Chris Paul has a horrible um, injury history. He's constantly injured, constantly injured during the playoffs, misses tons of games during every regular season. This season, he's been able to stay healthy, but that's... that's um, an irregularity. That's not the norm. Um, you know, that I think that's where I'm going to end this. But I, again, I really wish that these guys that cover the NBA, that do it for a job, I mean, a lot of them get paid a lot of money to sit on NBA or on ESPN or on TNT or whatever it may be and be super knowledgeable in the NBA. And it just, Oh, it irritates me. The fact that they can't even go back. What what was July seven months ago now? Something like that. They can't even go back half a year and be, and analyze things from that point. No, they look at this small little um, segment of time to go, oh, this is what this player is. There's nothing else we can go off of with this guy. Um, Also, I wanted to say real quickly on Mike Conley. Now, yes, Mike Conley averaged 21 points and 6 assists last year. Had a great season. But that's not his norm. Okay. Last season, the Grizzlies had nothing. They had some um, veteran journeymen on the team. Um, Marcus Soule gets traded away. They really had nothing as far as talent. They had no expectations of doing anything. And so Conley had to take over. He had to be the number one option no matter what. But for his career, 
He is a 15, maybe 16 point a night guy. He'll pull down three or four boards and he'll dish the ball out for four or five assists while shooting about 45 or 44% from the field and about 37% from three. This year, 14 points from the field, um, three rebounds, four assists. That's not that far off from the norm. Um, his shooting is down. He's shooting 37% from the field. I expect that to get picked back up to that 43-44 number that he shot his entire career. But his three-point shooting is basically where it's been his entire career. Um, also, you know, I've talked about this before. Mike Conley played 12 years in Memphis. Now, they had different coaches at the time, but everything was on the same basic principle of him running the pick and pop, not the pick and roll, but the pick and pop with Marcus Gasol, and them running a very, very slow grit and grind um, style of play. Very slow to bring the ball across the floor. Um, all of your shots are with less than 10 seconds on the shot clock. Um, you know, and they really slowed the ball down, the game down, um, and had very uh, low amount of possessions. So the way that I've been thinking about this lately is I want you to imagine a guy like Tom Brady. Okay. So Tom Brady's been playing for the Patriots his entire career. He's been playing under the same coach, under the same system. Um, he likes to throw a lot of passes right over the middle to tight ends and slot receivers, guys like Wes Welker, um, Gronkowski, Aaron Hernandez, Julian Edelman, Brandon Lloyd, all these guys over the middle. And then every now and then loosen up the defense to where he can go with the long ball. He doesn't run the ball. Um, he's... You know, he sits in the pocket as long as he possibly can, and when he leaves it, he's still looking to pass. So imagine, and this is the same as Mike Conley coming from Memphis to the Jazz. Now imagine Tom Brady going to a team where they go, okay, you're going to throw the deep ball most of the time. Every now and then you'll throw little crossing patterns, but the main thing is you're going to throw the deep ball. And if trouble happens in the pocket, we want you to take off and try and get the first on your feet. Now, Tom Brady is extremely talented, like Mike Conley is extremely talented. He would eventually figure out how to be effective in that system. But it's going to take a while. That doesn't fit his game. It doesn't fit his talent um, exactly right. It's going to take time. That's the same with Mike Conley. It's going to take time for him to figure out, like, oh, I'm not the number one ball handler on this team. I need to be able to play more off ball. Um, I need to hit a lot of wide open threes. I need to figure out how to get my offense as an off ball player so that Donovan Mitchell can be the number one option here. And, you know, Donovan Mitchell can be what I was to Memphis. We're going to be moving the ball a lot faster. So I need to run and get outlet passes instead of slowly bringing the ball up the court. It's going to take time. He's trying to break 12 years of habits. It's going to take time, but I think... By the time we get to the playoffs, Conley can figure it out how to be an effective player and really help out this Jazz team going forward. So with that, we'll go ahead and end this episode. Thank you for listening. Um, 
Jazz play tonight against the Portland Trailblazers. Trailblazers are coming off of a game last night against the Lakers in which they beat the Lakers. Damian Lillard is on an insane hot streak and the Jazz will need to figure out how to slow him down. Um, But with that, we'll go ahead and end this episode. Go Jazz!